Listening to Cup Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is Series 3, Episode Number 10 for Thursday, March 30th, 2023. JJ Sefton here, along with my good friend, co blogger, and uh, general good egg and chef extraordinaire, CBD. CBD, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I don't know about the chef extraordinaire part. My wife is You're on the food a uh, business trip, and so I'm eating leftovers. So, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, uh you know, in, in, in huge news, uh, yesterday I uh, drained the remaining fuel out of my snowblower and uh, put it up for the summer. So uh, everybody in the Northeast expect a 20 or 30 inch blizzard coming in the next day or two. So <laughs> yeah, Mur- Mur- Murphy's law is in Absolutely. full effect because of the, it's the CBD snowblower. Uh, Murphy's yes. uh, if Governor Murphy. So there you go. And, that, and, that, and that's what yeah. it, uh, that's what it's all about. Anyway, there's there's so much garbage and I mean, literal and figurative going on that it's really it's, to wade through. It is just uh, an impossibility. It's like there's one thing that's more serious than the next. And you hate giving things short shrift. But of course, the big story this week was um, what I'm calling a uh, a domestic terrorism, an act of domestic terrorism in Nashville, where a transsexual gunman came in, opened fire and killed a bunch of people, including uh, school children, until he was mercifully brought down by the Nashville cops. And of course, um, as I said, it's terrorism and transsexual lobby and their allies and and uh, promoters and within the Democrat Party and the leftist movement in America and all over the world are, are <laughs> for lack of a better word, up in arms. And they will not sit still until we not only accept them and uh, bow down to them, but let them actually uh, uh, disfigure and maim and and uh, and molest our children. And because of this, uh, people have become have become out of their minds with with, with thinking that they are a, a a, a minority that is somehow an being targeted, minority, a, an a, oppressed minority, a minority that is being murdered left and right throughout the country, which is of Absolutely. course nonsense. It's it's ridiculous. The number of of transsexuals who are murdered because they are transsexual can be counted on the thumbs of one hand. I mean, it, it is absolutely ridiculous, yes, and sir. it is hysteria driven by a clear political agenda, and that is to, as you just pointed out, to mainstream this perverse and vile and anti-human idea that people can be something other than a man or a woman. And yes, people will argue, yeah, you know, the the point zero zero one percent of the of the population that is truly genetically amorphous. Fine, we'll take care of those. But the, the idea that we have several percent of the population that is transsexual, that uh, was born in the wrong body, is absolute nonsense. But it's a political tool on the part of the on, of the Biden junta and the Obama junta, and it is something that needs to be stopped in its tracks a year ago. We are collapsing as a society because of these people and what and the damage they are doing to civilized society, to normal, to traditional norms of behavior. The idea that a pundit can speak about a genocide of these people and talk about a violent reaction to what is obviously non-existent is just insane. True. Well, this is all part and parcel with, I mean, pick pick your victim group. And obviously the classic is, of course, American blacks. You know, this is now 60 years since the since the civil rights era. 
and American blacks have risen to, to every level in society. One can argue rightly or wrongly uh, because of the effects of affirmative action and diversity, you know, especially over the last 10, however many years that that's been coming to the fore. But it, we, we've literally elected a black man twice to be president. And the richest woman in America and one of the richest in the world, who's a multi-billionaire, is, is Oprah Winfrey. And somehow America is a racist society where black people can never get ahead. And because of all the police incidents going on, uh, America is a white supremacist society where the police are being used to literally commit genocide against uh, the American black male. And this is a blood libel uh, of, of magnificent and horrifying proportions that is easily disputable just, just on the face of it. But of course, you know, a lie is around the world twice before the truth gets its pants on and gets out of bed. So, and, and the same thing is going on here with, with, with transsexualism and with the people who try to point this out. Case in point, of course, is Tucker Carlson, yet again, who's at the forefront of, uh, of rage from the left. When they are saying supposedly that he is blaming uh, that, that transsexuals are anathema to Christianity and that uh, Christians consider transsexuals an enemy, which is not the case. It, they are anathema and the acceptance of transsexualism is anathema to the Christian ethic, but it doesn't mean we are targeting transsexuals for death. And of course, uh, he he pointed this out. But in the broader issue is that all of this is really to destroy the family, to destroy the family unit, and to literally, as Daniel Greenfield, who had a great piece in uh, in today's front page mag, is to basically wrest control of our children away from parents and away from the family to destroy that and put them under the control of the state. And when you do that, you destroy God. And what was Karl Marx's main goal in bringing down a, a free society is to destroy God. And once you do that, you know, the, the, the keys to the kingdom are yours. So this is to not put too fine a point on it. It's exactly what's happening. We're reaping that uh, as we speak. You know, some of you may be aware of a book written, oh boy, probably 75 years ago by uh, B.F. Skinner called Walden 2. And it's, uh, I, I guess when it came out, it was science fiction, but. Uh, nowadays, it's uh, terrifying. It's the idea that people's behavior can be modified. Again, that b behavioral modification is simply science. And the current transsexual brouhaha is an extension of that, the idea that man is malleable via science. And it's something that we need to reject because we are not a, you know, we're not rats in a, in a cage being manipulated for the benefit of the experimenter. We are all unique. We are all special in our own way. That doesn't mean that we are special, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But the again, the idea that, that we can be manipulated, that we can be changed by science is something quite scary. And, you know, the, the transsexual insanity over, over the last two or three or four years needs to be refocused. And I think that the tone among the enemies of this outrageous social experiment should change. And I think it should be to care for these people. These are profoundly disturbed people. Some of them are being driven that way by society. Some of them are naturally disturbed. But the idea that we should humor their psychosis is terrifying. We should help them. We should give them psychotherapy. We should give them psychiatric therapy and give them medical therapy if, if it's appropriate. But the idea that we humor it and that we celebrate it is terrifying and it's lunacy on every, every level. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think that, that most of America is a little puzzled by this whole thing. They look at it and they think you're nuts. 
This is just insanity. This is going to go away because crazy people shouldn't run our society. Crazy people should not push the bounds of society and guide the rest of us toward their lunacy. But that's what's happening. It's exactly what's happening. And unfortunately, when you bury your hand, you, not you, but I mean the royal you, when you bury your head in the sand and think all of this is going to go away, it's not going to go away because they are coming in the end for all of us who do not bow to their will. The transsexuals are just another convenient political cannon fodder like every other uh, victim, so-called victim group that uh, glom on to the Democrats and vice versa, who use them and who use their travails, whether they are real or imagined or invented uh, for, for political gain. And that's all that this is. So the problem is you now also have beyond government, you have uh, poisoned uh, institutions like the American Medical Association and uh, medical schools and so on and so forth that are uh, embracing this whole diversity, inclusion and equity DIE nonsense to the point where if you dare raise a voice in protest to something to proclaim that the emperor does not have any clothes, you are to be shunned, to be blackballed, to be kicked out and ultimately, uh, if it ever gets to that point, arrested and thrown into the gulag. You know, in point of fact, this is <laughs> if we all go back to Alexander Solzhenitsyn's uh, gulag archipelago, this is what the cancer wards and the psychiatric wards were in the old Soviet Union. If you applied for a visa to leave the Soviet Union because you wanted to live somewhere else, you were crazy. You were deemed crazy to want to voluntarily leave the paradise on earth that was the Soviet Union. And they locked you up in, the, in, a, in an insane asylum. And that's exactly uh, where we're heading here. Uh, they are itching to institute all sorts of, uh, you know, between censorship and and just plain old just locking people up in a jail for being uh, politically incorrect, so to speak. And that's exactly what this is all about. It is absolute perversion. And as I said, it's not just the government. It's uh, businesses that that will not hire you or uh, social media platforms and other platforms which will censor your chats or your phone calls or even your text messages, as we are coming to learn on, on another upcoming story. And uh, it's totalitarian madness in service of uh, elevating truly psychotic and dangerous people uh, who, by the way, are now being their, their psychosis is being used to radicalize them. To make them violent, I mean, I believe Saturday is still going to be the transsexual day of vengeance around the country, despite what has happened. Um, and so this is, you know, forget about BLM and Antifa. You're going to have people in drag with guns uh, looking to shoot, looking to shoot you in the head. So we're not in a good place right now. And once again, the you know the states are where we, we are pushing back. The federal government is obviously all in on this transsexual insanity. Um, but but the several states are pushing back actually quite vigorously, uh, Florida, Texas, uh, I think Tennessee and several other others that don't come to mind immediately. And once again, the federal government is failing the, the people of the United States, and it is up to the states to to push back against this chaos that the Biden junta and, and their Obama handlers are pushing on us. Here's the rub, though, because I know we've, we've, we've broached this subject, I know, with Walsh and a little bit with Spencer and really just to, uh, together with, with the co-bloggers over the last several podcasts is that this is great. And I totally agree with that. It is up to the states to reassert Ninth and Tenth Amendment supremacy and superiority, if you will, against an, literally an overreaching federal leviathan. The problem is what happens when the federal leviathan has gotten to be to such a point where 
even if a state exercises its right to, um, for let's say, nullification or to disregard a, a federal executive order or, or even a law, so to speak, that that they deem is is and probably would be wildly unconstitutional, uh, what's to prevent the federal government from just sort of stepping in and just you know, arresting the governor, arresting the legislature. And, you know, again, it's all bets are off. I mean, everything depends upon people following a code of ethics, a code of morality, which please don't laugh everybody when I say that in regards to the American government. But that's what that's what this is all predicated on. And at a certain point, we already see what they're doing. They've, uh, you know, they're, they're arresting people and there are people still rotting in jail because of January 6th for being in the wrong place at the, at the wrong time. Targeting parents in, in Virginia for, you know, for daring to speak up against uh, against these uh, transsexual and critical race policies and, and having the, the government literally labeling them as, as potential terrorists for doing so. So I won't say what's the point of defying the federal government if the federal government is going to it just it's just sort of daring them to cross a line. And I think, unfortunately, I, at some I, point you're going to have to do that. Yeah, I think I, uh, I understand your point. But if we look at the January 6th catastrophe, that happened in Washington, D.C., which is obviously the, the center of federal power. And the, fe- the federal government controls the D.C. government. Uh, that's, that's obvious. In fact, they have to rein them in because they're, so lun- they're such lunatic leftists. I don't know that had January 6th happened in Tallahassee or, you know, Jackson, Mississippi or, you know, Na- or Nashville or Knoxville or Dallas, that the drive to arrest hundreds and hundreds of people and throw them into American gulags would have been quite so successful. And when you bring up Virginia, yes, the federal government went after those parents just speaking out in defense of their children. But the pushback in Virginia was extensive and the people of Virginia won. The, the parents of Virginia won. The, t- the teachers were beaten down. The Board of Education was beaten down. So uh, I understand yeah. that, the, that the federal government has has incredible power, but it's it's much more difficult for them to exercise that power outside of Washington, D.C. and the, the blue shitholes that they that they. Oh, I apologize for calling them shitholes. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the yes, uh, the, the, the blue uh, the blue nirvana. In, in the in the blue states anyway i think there's sure. there is a radical difference right and plus and the I fact that never uh, find out if that if that dif- difference is sufficient I, I i pray we don't but and of course uh, even even in a place like virginia it also led to i don't know if it was before the election or after the election but i think it was after it was it was directly led to the defeat of terry the punk mcauliffe and the installation of uh, glenn youngkin who is uh, so far Proving to be a pretty decent governor in the mold of a uh, of a Ron DeSantis, perhaps. So yeah. that's uh, that is exciting news. And of course, I I love his. Uh, I think it's either a lieutenant governor or the or the AG. There's a Winsome Sears, and she's a oh, she's she's, terrific, <laughs> she's dynamite as well. And this is literally Virginia is literally you know it's uh it's unfortunately you know the 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 bedroom communities of Washington D.C. usually rule have turned what was a fairly reddish state into a pink state, into a purple state, and then into a blue state for quite a while. And so this well, is nice that someplace like that, you can have this reversal of fortune in a good way towards yes. towards uh, conservatives. So uh, at the risk of, of drifting off topic a little bit, Drift I, away. I, I've been playing around with the electoral map for 2024, and I think that there is only one way that a Republican candidate can win the presidential election. And that is to take Georgia, Virginia, and Wisconsin. I think the battleground states of 2016 are gone. Pennsylvania's gone. Michigan's gone. I yeah. don't think there is any other path 
for a Republican candidate other than through Georgia, Virginia, and Wisconsin. And Youngkin is going to be an extraordinarily important person in the next year and a half. Don't let's not pretend that there is any shot for a Republican win in 2024 without Virginia. Speaking of Wisconsin, we had a scare really with Ron Johnson. I mean, this Mandela Barnes freak was a little bit too close for comfort to, to winning the Senate seat and taking it from him. But coming up on Tuesday, we have a special election here for a Supreme Court judge in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, I believe this woman's name is Janet Prozostovitz or something, or, or who the heck knows, a, a colon, whatever, who the hell knows what her, what her name is. But in any event, she is the total Soros stooge and an anti, you know, a, a pro-crime, a pro-crime justice. And that, that, that is something that this state does not need. And that election could very well be a bellwether for what happens uh, in 2024 uh, on the national level. Uh, of course, when judges control things here and, of course, the, the electoral boards in Wisconsin was a seat of the steel of 2020. Yeah, this does not fill one with strength and confidence. So for my fellow uh, cheeseheads uh, here, me included, uh, please, dear Lord, get out and vote on Tuesday. Do not let this woman uh, anywhere near the Supreme Court uh, of Wisconsin. Oh, boy, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> we're folks, we're we're gonna try to keep this a little bit shorter than usual. So we're just gonna we're gonna move on to our next topic, which is uh something very interesting is going on in Israel. There was uh, an attempt uh, over the last six months or so to to revamp the judiciary in the state of Israel. Um the judges are chosen rather than elected, and they also seem to choose each other, which is sort of an odd and not particularly democratic way of creating a judiciary. Benjamin Netanyahu, the, the the two-time prime minister who came back for a third shot at the at the ring, has been pushing this, and unfortunately, he has some legal dealings with the judiciary in Israel. He's been charged with uh, all sorts of things, you know, corruption, you know, pinching babies on the I don't know what the hell it is. It's it's all politically driven, and the left has been ramping up the hysteria in Israel to such an extent that it's a little intimidating, I think, for people who see Israel as this enlightened democracy. And it, it's going to be a problem. They've backed down on any of the attempts to modify the law that governs how judges are selected because of the, essentially, the mob. You know, there are huge protests in Tel Aviv with with insane posters. There's one that the huge poster that says from startup nation to shutdown nation. There's a picture of Khomeini and and um, Putin and uh, and Netanyahu together with a couple of people whose faces I don't even recognize, suggesting that uh, he is simply an autocrat, that uh, an authoritarian uh, dictator. And that's not the case. What they're trying to do is move the Israeli judiciary more to the American plan, where there is some direct voter involvement in their choice which I think is reasonable, but the left is rabid in its denunciation of any attempt at changing that. And this is not a good thing for Israel because the internal division in Israel emboldens its enemies. And unfortunately, the United States is fomenting that. Biden has stuck his drooling, you know, boy, um, I'll try to. Draw, his, his drooling vanilla chip face. Yeah, sorry. Uh, his in, into the into the fray. And then, you know, that's not necessary. It's none of our business how Israel runs its internal politics. And it's none of anybody else's business how we run ours. But uh, we seem to think that it's appropriate for the United States government to speak about the internal politics of a, of a foreign country. And that's simply not the it's just not 
appropriate. Just to go back, the, the judicial reform, I don't really know how it started, but it was maybe 20 or 30 years ago where this was ne- not necessarily the case. This was a, a brand new thing where these judges have this incredibly almost di- dictatorial, virtually dictatorial power over the, um, the Israeli government. Somehow this law was put into place. And of course, Israel traditionally, and correct me if I'm mistaken, is basically a right or a center right country. But it does have a very strong and very vocal, like here, left wing, somewhat of a minority. And so most of the judges uh, in Israel, I believe, are of the leftist bent. So when this law was put into place, they literally modified the law to decree that they will then be able to appoint their own judges and that their judges have no no review. They cannot be removed from office. And it's also literally declaring themselves king. So they this is the reason why the left is going crazy over this, not just because of you know the, the usual BB hatred, because they associate BB with Donald Trump and with basically the strong defense of Israel, you know, whatever you think of Netanyahu in, in general. But the, like here, the left, this is this is their road to, to power and to override any sort of conservative or right of center laws or policies that either Netanyahu or any prime minister would want to institute. So anything that denudes the left's power is something that they are, are going to oppose tooth and nail. And of course, Biden is not the Biden State Department is, I think, beh- behind a lot of this this garbage, along with the usual suspects like Klaus Schwab and George Soros and so on and so forth in instituting yet another color revolution. So this potentially is is not only going to uh, derail this attempt at judicial reform, which, by the way, is not a dictatorial power grab by Netanyahu. It's going through the government, through the Knesset to pass a law by legal means because he was elected to do this thing. It's another color color revolution that not only threatens this reform effort, but it also could threaten his government and it could topple it. He could be ousted uh, as a result of all this. And what a, what a great time for that to happen. Iran is on the verge, perhaps, of enriching enough uranium for nuclear weapons with our help, and as well as the Saudis are now uh, buddying up to the Chinese. And already we've had the first instance of of the petrodollar being uh, being driven to extinction. The first trade is with uh, China has now created what's known as the petro yuan. So this is the timing could not be worse, not just for Israel, but for us in the entire region. Oh, boy. One of the problems in Israel is that the Knesset, which is their parliament, is not elected directly. Uh, people vote for their political party, but they don't vote for representation, direct representation. And that insulates Israel from insulates the voters of Israel from the Knesset in, in, in a very odd way. And I think it. Uh, Listen, political the, the politics of Israel is dysfunctional. If you think that America is screwed up, just take a look at Israel. It's unbelievable. But as, as you said, these reforms are normal reforms. Uh, Israel used to have the election of judges via the Knesset, and that simply changed, as you pointed out. It's a left-wing power grab, nothing more than that. Yes, America, <laughs> to say what's going on here, it's the same damn thing. And it's funny, there was an article, I think, somewhere while this was going on that uh, one of the, comparing the, uh, the quality of life and the, the happiness quotient or whatever you want to call it of the citizenry of Israel. And Israel is among one of the top five in the world. And of course, one of the, at the bottom are the so-called quote unquote Palestinians of Gaza. But I wonder what the Israelis are thinking now with this uh, Biden-esque, Calorama-esque uh, power grab by the Israeli left. So, um, ugh, what a what a mess, total mess. With that, let's take a little bit of a break. We'll regroup, uh, maybe hit a couple of quick hits, and then we'll wrap it up uh, on the Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks Radio Network. Stay tuned. 
And we're back. J.J. Sefton, CBD, the Cuttube Newsletter Speaks Radio Network around the nation, across the globe, and up your street with all kinds of great uh, topics. And we got some quick hits to wrap up the show. First up, CBD, um, something stinks uh, in the United States Navy, like everything else in this country, and it doesn't bode well. We are seem to be uh, not up to par while the Chinese are building every ship possible. And uh, and this does not bode well for our national security and our, our foreign interests overseas. Like, what does, I guess? No, it doesn't at all. Uh, so the for fiscal year 2024, the uh, the Biden junta, the drooling fools in the White House have suggested that the Navy budget be uh, increased by, I think, 2%, which is less than the rate of inflation, obviously, and that they are uh, cutting back on the number of ships that we build. They are accelerating the retirement of a bunch of ships. So the Navy, which currently has a a little bit less than 300 battle-ready ships, which is, I think, 50 or 60 ships less than what is required by law, they're going to cut that back even more. They're cutting back missile platforms. They're cutting back fast transport. They're cutting back on all of the things that we need to combat a surging China. Uh, China is being aggressive in in its building of their Navy. They understand that they have to have a navy to have any chance of of combating the united states of of taking taiwan of pushing farther into the pacific and as they expand we contract i i just published something on uh, on ace of spades about this actually just a couple of minutes ago but it's it's a terrifying thing and and one of my points in this in my post was that it it might not be reasonable to call biden and obama and and their fellow travelers socialists because if you look back in history, the socialists are actually tried to expand their countries. They tried to consolidate power. They tried to – the Soviet Union pushed into Eastern Europe and took, and, and took it all. Uh, China is actively expanding or trying to expand. As Michael Wall said a couple of weeks ago, they're lousy at it, and they lose all, every time they go up, go up against the West. But uh, that's not something that we need to count on. We need to push back hard. And the Biden hunter is doing exactly the opposite. And that is a scary, scary thing. Well, the Biden hunter with uh, the, the great Lloyd Austin, the diversity hire uh, secretary of defense. And, uh, and of course, uh, General uh, Generalissimo Vanilli Milley. You know, their main uh, enemies that, that are the greatest threats to the United States that we have stated, are the, the threat of internal white supremacy. Uh, in the form, of course, of Donald Trump and uh, climate change. And those are the two things that they are combating. So it is no wonder that recruitment rates are literally flatlining. Uh, retirements are probably up. The whole notion of, of demanding that people take the Chinese COVID jab has certainly um, soured people on, on renewing their uh, re-upping their enlistments or even getting into the army in the first place. And all the people there are getting, they're lowering the standards both physically and academically to try to attract any kind of re- recruit to, to join, to put on the uniform. And even that is failing. So to call them socialists, well, on, on the one hand, well, I, we don't know what they are. They're just the socialism. Yeah, we're not we're not building up a Navy for, to, to, for or, you know, or a, an army and, a, and an armed force for conquest. We're just trying to dismantle ours in order you know, to appease the, the, the Chinese, to appease the Russians, to appease the Europeans and to basically just like you know, as is as is espoused in critical race theory to uh, and the sixteen nineteen project to apologize for our existence and our founding uh, in the beginning in the first place, and that's what this is really all about. So they they could you know they could care less. Uh, you just hope that the Chinese are 
you know, are inept enough or are more cor- uh, the corruption there is uh, is is unbelievable that uh, the, the weapons that they field are of such such poor quality, plus the, the, the soldiers that they field are such poor quality. But for us to have to rely on the, um, on the failings of the Chinese military is not a good strategy for our defense. And of course, look, we have an open border and it's wide open and not just uh, lettuce pickers and grape pickers are coming in from south of the border. You're getting all kinds of bad actors from all over the world, uh, Chinese, Iranian, Afghanistani and so on and so forth. So this is the, the state of play. And if, you know, God willing, we do get somebody sane like a DeSantis or a Trump or somebody like that who once again becomes commander in chief. Even if they instituted the most massive rebuilding and restructuring of the armed forces, it's literally going to take it would take years to, to even get it back into uh, parity with what it was uh, b- before uh, Biden assumed office. And even then, God forbid, uh, you know, if, if even after eight years of God willing, a, a Republican or a conservative president or America first president, I should say, what if these people come back into power yet again? I mean, it's just this is not a good place to be in. It is really, uh, as I keep saying that over and over at the risk of repeating myself, but we are th- this nation is is teetering on the brink internally and externally. And the last thing we need is, uh, you know. Is, is is an armed armed forces that are just are falling apart. Plus the fact that our because of our our, our insane um, obsession with with going to war against Russia in the Ukraine, we've denuded our stocks of of all forms of armaments of of ammunition and so on and so forth. And we're just we're just not prepared. And the Chinese almost don't even really need to fire a shot to do whatever they 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 want to do. Um, we'll see though the the willingness of, of their neighbors, like even countries like India, uh, Vietnam, and so on and so forth, which actually both of them have kicked the Chinese ass over the years uh, in various conflicts. But, you know, how long can that last? So we, we shall see. And God forbid, I really don't want to see. I, I would like to you, be a bit of a devil's advocate here and, and, and mention please, that, please go. Uh, that even after the, the debacle of, of Carter uh, between 70, or 77 and 81, we got Ronald Reagan, who was able to rebuild the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Armed Forces. We got close to 600 ships. And uh, it is not a coincidence that the Soviet Union fell just after uh, he left office. We can outspend the Chinese. We can outbuild the Chinese. Uh, we can create a military that within uh, five or ten years is quite capable of defending Taiwan, uh, re-extending our power into the Western Pacific. And the idea that that uh, we simply have to give up, I think, is unfair to American exceptionalism. I think it's unfair to the idea that we can do whatever we want if we simply have the uh, uh, somebody in the bully pulpit who can explain coherently why we need to do it. Reagan did it, and I think uh, Donald Trump did it for some of the some of the things that he felt most um, most vehemently. I don't know if that's fair. Uh, passionately about passionately it. yeah i don't know if, if it was passionate me, or simple it, it, see, but go ahead in in the words of uh, the people that i that used to go to school with let me ask you this what is your impression though of the national or compare and contrast the national psyche if you will of january 20th 1981 with let's say january 20th god willing of uh, of, of 2025 are we as a nation and there was an alarming story and that that uh, was on the morning report uh, yesterday or the today or the day before how 
American youth are no longer have any sort of sense of patriotism or, or even just the fact that America is a great place and so on and so forth. Forget about who's in the, you know, in the Oval Office and who's commander in chief. Do the American people or do we have an American people in an American psyche that's willing to follow that commander in chief or just going to tell them to go screw off? America sucks and uh, we don't you know, we're not going to listen to you. So this is the problem. The American character, the left has, has succeeded or is about to succeed in destroying the American character uh, for good. And once that's gone, that's the uh, you know, that's that's something that uh, is. How do you get that back? Ah, well, that was a cheery thought. Um, the answer is <laughs> that in 1981, you know, we had we had significant unemployment. We had uh, outrageous uh, interest rates. We had inflation. We had what the peanut farmer described as a national malaise or as a really a cultural malaise. We were able to recover from that rather quickly with an effective communicator in the White House. Was he combating academia and the public school system as well? Uh, up to a point, but I, I agree with you. It wasn't nearly as bad in 1981 as it is in 2023. Is it possible to recover from from what is going on now? Yes, I think it is. Are great swaths of America lost for the next generation? Yes, but there are great swaths of America that are still patriotic, that still believe in American exceptionalism, people who believe in in our freedoms and our liberties. And people who are willing to fight for them. Uh, you know, they, I will I will agree with you on that, and in sort of a, a sad way to agree with that. If that weren't the case, then I don't think you would have had BLM and Antifa and transsexual terrorists hurling Molotov, Molotov cocktails and shooting up schools. I mean, if it was if we were such a pushover, then they wouldn't need to do that. But I guess uh, the fact that they still need to do that means that, in a way, that you are correct, CBD, in your analysis, that still we do have large swathes of the country that still believe that America is the last best hope for humanity. You know, I'm, sometimes I'm sanguine about it and sometimes I'm quite depressed about the state of America. And every once in a while I get this flash of what, what I remember as the, the glory of the United States. And it, it sort of reinvigorates me. And I'll give you a, a silly little example of it. I had some painting work, sort of specialized painting work done last week. And the two gentlemen who came arrived five minutes early they were neat. They were clean. The quality of their work was superb. I was really, really impressed. My only complaint was that they were listening to new country, which I, and I, I would have preferred more classic country. But aside from that, it was fantastic. And it was a glimpse of what America was and in many, many places is and absolutely can be in the future. So let's not sell ourselves short. No. We are in big, big trouble. But it, the fat lady has not yet sung. No, where, where there is, I, I believe that. I believe where there is life, there is hope. I mean, believe me, I wade through crap every day to, to put together the morning report and you put your rants together and your, your great posts as well. And it's, you know, you look at this stuff and you're just inundated with it. And it's, uh, you know, the, it is really, it's hard to sort of see beyond what's going on. But you have to endure. You have to push on and soldier on and take heart in the little victories because when a little victory here and a little victory there hopefully it adds up but little by little it, the next thing you know we we do have an american renaissance however whatever america will look like in the next several years it will you know hopefully that that is the future because uh to think and to to accept that uh, the opposite is going to happen is just uh, that's I, I can't do that it's intolerable for me
Oh, I agree. All right. With that, folks, I think uh, we're going to put a cork on this yes. one. Thank you, sir. And CBD, uh, your analysis is always uh, cromulent, uh, exceptional, <laughs> and I appreciate your your camaraderie and letting me play devil's advocate every once in a while. But you just did. You stole my you stole my devil horns. Oh my god! But I still have my Jew horns. Oh my god! Can I say that? Yeah. Well. Anyway. Both have. <laughs> We both got exactly. Anyway, you've been listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast uh, for CBD. It's JJ Septon. Please, if you can, hit the ticket jar. It really helps us uh, to keep going, and we enjoy doing these things uh, uh, for you. And we'll be back uh, soon with the next one, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening.